0: You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Koop. So we're talking about love coming down and love the language this morning. Quick survey this morning. How many here speak more than one language? If you speak more than one language, just see your hands. All right. That is like the first service. Almost everybody at Coastal speaks more than one language. So let's take it up another notch. How many here speak two or more languages? All right. Good show of hands. Let's take it up another notch. How many speak three or more languages? We still got hands. All right. Let's take it up another notch. How many speak four or more languages? Really high. All right. Four more. Here's a number. Okay. How many speak five or more languages? Anybody five or more? We got one, two. Man, you guys are, that's a little bit higher than the last. Okay. Let's take it up one more notch. How many, six or more languages? Anybody? Wow. Six languages. Okay, can we take it up another notch? Seven? No. (laughs) Six languages. That's amazing. Uh, I know one, broken English, and that's about it. (laughs) I tried to learn French. You know, I really did. We had French like everybody did growing up in school, and I can still remember those old reels about Monsieur Thibault, and I was like, oh, I was just like, I never did quite pick up French. Should have, but I didn't. Wish I would have, but I didn't. And... uh, my parents spoke German at home, and that's all we spoke till I went to school, was German. And then when I we went to school, I got teased for speaking German. So I came home and I said to my mom and dad, don't speak German to me. I get teased when I speak German. And so I kind of turned the German off. I still can understand it, but I can't speak it. And I wish I spoke more than one language. Isn't it an advantage if you know more than one language to communicate with others? You can, you know, if somebody comes up and they speak another language, you It's great. Oh, I recognize you you speak French. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to you in French. Or you speak Spanish. I'll speak to you in Spanish. And especially if you're new to the city and you're speaking another language, that individual goes, wow, oh, you speak my language. And right away they feel valued. They feel like, oh, I can relate to you because you speak my language. Well, love has, they tell us five different languages. There's a great book you may have read it. Most of you probably have heard of it. It's called The Five Love Languages. How many have read or heard of the book, The Five Love Languages? Okay. There's a few. How many have not heard of this book, Five Love Languages? Don't be afraid. Just yeah. Okay. No, no tests after the after the message. If you if you haven't got this book, uh, I, I get no commissions off this. We, we we don't make anything off this. We're just, but pick it up at chapters. We have some copies here at the bookstore. You can order it online so many different ways to get it. You can probably get it as a, uh, you can download it on your, on your iPhone, your iPad, electronically. But I really think it's a great book that tells you, teaches us how to love. I grew up kind of thinking there was just love, that love didn't have these different expressions of languages. But it is so true. It's really a great, uh, a great teaching that helps you to love others. In the book, The Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman talks about a love bank. And other authors do the same thing. William Harley, in his book, His Needs, Her Needs, also talks about the fact that we have a love bank. And you make the people you love, you make deposits into their love bank. Let's say a husband makes a deposit into his wife's love bank. And the way he he loves her is, is received, and that kind of increases the love account, so to speak. But as you guys all know, we sometimes make withdrawals of the love bank. My problem is I make withdrawals and I don't know I made a withdrawal. That doesn't happen in my banking account, but it happens in my love bank. I will go, oh, really, Cheryl? Is everything okay? And she go, no. Oh, okay. Um, did I do something to bother you today? Yeah. And guys, honestly, I, I don't know. It's like I should know. I've been married thirty some years. I should know this. I go, okay, what what was it? I'm going back through my day and I'm like, and it's like. I, when I, then all of a sudden she says, you know, this happened. I go, oh, yeah, that, that was withdrawal. So the whole idea is you want to make more deposits than withdrawals. That's the whole idea. And William Harley's book is Building an Affair-Proof Marriage. It, the whole idea is to make more deposits than you do withdrawals. So the way you can increase your deposits into another person's life, it could be your spouse, it could be your, it could be your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your children, the way you do it is to learn that love has actually five languages. And if you learn to speak more than one language, you can actually make more deposits and have healthier relationships. A number of years ago, I was traveling in China for some of my studies. And we were in, I forget which city it was, but we were there. And I had to do some communicating on my own with the people there. They spoke Mandarin. I don't know any Mandarin. Very little, a couple phrases. And I was trying to communicate to them about getting a ride. It was really challenging. It was, you know, I would point, I'd write it down, and they didn't understand my writing. And it was just, I was so frustrated because I couldn't get through to them what I meant. And after a while, someone came along and helped interpret what I was saying, and then they got it, and everything was fine. But that relationship, so to speak, was very fragile because we weren't communicating at all. Love has different languages. And sometimes you're loving your spouse or your family members. Even on a Christmas day, you have all kinds of acquaintances and friends and family members over. It's really important to realize that there's more than one language for love. So we're going to look at them today in light of the Christmas story. And uh, in talking about the love languages, uh, we can find them there. And uh, the first love language we're going to talk about is gifts. Giving gifts is a way to say, I love you. It's a language to say, I love you, I give you a gift. So in light of the Christmas story, who do you think in the Christmas story spoke the love language of giving gifts? Somebody have a guess? It's not a hard question, really. The wise men, right? Yeah, obviously the wise men brought gifts. So there in the Christmas story, we find the love language of gift giving. And we will find all of them in the Christmas story because when love came down, it should have these different expressions. So the wise men gave gifts. We read about this in Matthew chapter two, verse eleven. They entered the house where the child and where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What were they doing? They were loving Jesus. They were loving Mary and Joseph. They were. They were loving God. They came and they brought their gifts. It was a language. They were speaking love by giving gifts. I don't know what you got for Christmas this year. Maybe you've already opened your presents. Maybe you can open your presents later. Maybe you did it last night. But when we open presents and we give gifts, we're saying, I love you. When I went and bought Cheryl's gift this week, <laughs> she told you all last week. So I, the, the cat was out, and uh, and so to speak, and... So I hate to admit it, but it was yesterday that I bought the last one. <laughs> and I uh, had to stand in line, get a card, and they put my name down on this list, and eventually I got to the queue and was able to buy my gift. And, and, but when I bought the gift and when I presented it to her, and, and it, yesterday was busy for me. Last week was busy for me. And I was going to do it on Thursday. I said, I'll do it Thursday after work. Thursday after work came, and and things came up, and then we had dinner with the Father. By the way, church, high five. Uh, I know maybe you don't even aren't aware of it, or many of us can't go. There just a small team goes to serve dinner with the Father at Friends for Life here in the West End. And Friends for Life is a home for people that live in the downtown community that have uh, some type of a disease that's usually life-threatening. And they're members of this home. And so every Christmas, we put on a dinner for them. And it started by one of the guys who used to come to church. He lived downtown, and he was part of that community. And he came here, and his life was so changed. And he said, you know what? Most of us, we just didn't have a good relationship with our father. That seems to be a common thread through friends of life. So what I'd like to do is start a friend uh, dinner with the father. So every Christmas, we uh, put on this amazing meal for them, give them all a gift, and it's just called dinner with the father. It's an amazing outreach that you do, church, and the church pays for it. We put it on. We and uh, David Robertson came and made amazing food, and we just—it was so great just to love them and bring this gift to them, and uh, they really responded well. So that happened on Thursday. I thought I'd get my gift then, and then all of a sudden, it's Saturday. I was like, oh, I need to do this, and I—I I was so grateful that I could. Find time and get it all ready and give it to Cheryl. And it was just, again, expression that I love you. That's what it was. Gift says I care. Gift says I I took time to go shopping. I was thinking about you, and I I made a way for it to bring it to you. So gifts are a great expression of love. At Christmas time. it's probably the first thing that we think of is if I'm going to give a gift to somebody, I'm going to bring them something of value and buy something. And it's part of the love language, giving a gift. When you get a gift, you, you'll think about it often. Uh, when I got married, my wife gave me a wedding ring, and it was a, a picture of her love for me. And I remember taking that ring and putting it on my hand, and and it was, yes, my wife loves me. It's a picture of that. And every time I wear it, I think about it. When I first got married, I just had been working the drilling rig industry and there you don't wear rings when you're working because too many people lose their fingers wearing them. And, and so I was really not accustomed to wearing rings. i never wore rings. And now I'm married. And so after getting married, and going to school and, uh, and I wasn't wearing my ring. And uh, uh, I came home and she says, where's your ring? I says, well, I'm not very comfortable wearing the ring, you know, because I never wore rings. And I gave her this whole long line about, you know, it was dangerous on the work. She said, well, you're not going to work. You're not, you're not going to lose your finger at school, so you can wear your ring. I said, yeah, but I'm just not really comfortable wearing it. And we had we had one of those talks, or where she talked, you know. <laughs> and she said, no, if you love me, there's other women at school, and you're wearing your ring. That, that's why you have the ring. It's, you made a covenant with me. It's a gift to you. And I go, yes, that's right. I wear the ring. And it's true. Man, if, guys, if you're married, you wear your wedding ring. Women, if you're married, you wear your wedding ring. It's a symbol that somebody gave you that they loved you. It's one of the greatest gifts we have is this ring that we wear in a hand as a married individual. We can give gifts that it doesn't, it's not necessarily the, the amount of money the gift costs, it's the, the thought, the love that went behind it. When we had a miscarriage before our children were born in the hospital, I went and I wanted to buy something for Cheryl just to say I loved her because it was a really challenging time for her. And Women, you could, you could relate if you've experienced that. It's very challenging. Our husbands or family members have gone through that. We were really expecting and, and excited, and then it was that hope was gone. And uh, so I was in the hospital. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I buy here? And I, I went into those little, uh, you know, they had the flowers and all the knickknacks. I went in there, and I looked at the price of the flowers, and we were on a really tight budget. Basically, we were broke, and I didn't have a lot of money. And there was this little ceramic heart case there where you put knickknacks into it, just a little ceramic case with a lid, and it was priced like 3 or $4, and I debated, oh, do I buy that, and, and I, it was just like, no, just buy her that, and, and so I brought her that little heart, and she was in the room there, I said, sure, I love you, thank you for just being an amazing wife, and I gave her that little gift, and just a token of how much I love you. Now, if you went to a grad sale, you would get maybe a quarter for that thing, it's not worth really anything. But you know, for 30-some years, that little case has sat on our dresser because it just spoke of, I love you. Gifts are powerful ways of saying, I love you, especially if there's thought behind it and if it's presented in that fashion. So that's the first one, is uh, giving a gift. Uh, So what's the first one again? Is Gift-giving. So you see, you got no notes today, so I have to keep reviewing a lot. Number, and, and we have to know these five love languages. If we really do, to love others, we have to know this cold. So number one is what? Giving gifts. Gift-giving, right. Okay, number two is quality time. The second one is quality time. So when I was looking at the Christmas story, I thought, okay, who in the Christmas story really spent quality time? And I'm thinking the shepherds. I think the shepherds gave the gift of quality time. The reason is because they were taking care of their sheep. It's nighttime, right? They're on the night watch taking care of their sheep. And they get interrupted by the angel. And the angel says, hey, a child has been born. Here's a sign for you. Leave your work and go and find the Christ child. We read that story in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. So these guys are working. And, of course, they get interrupted. But how do they love? They love by dropping their work, putting it aside, going to Bethlehem. That takes time. And they get there, they worship Jesus there, and then they take time to tell others about it. They didn't have gold, frankincense, and myrrh to bring, but they had time, and they gave their time to worship Christ. One of the greatest ways we can love others is with quality time. We can do it through gift giving, but we can also do it by giving quality time. Jesus would often do this with his disciples. The disciples came back from a trip, and uh, they wanted to tell Jesus about what happened, And the interesting thing in Luke chapter 10 is that Jesus listened to all that they had to say. That means he took a lot of time just to hear what his disciples had to say. Another time his disciples and him went to Bethsaida. He said, let's get away. Let's just go and spend time together. Quality time is a great way to love others. When I think back on my own life, the way my father loved me, I think of time Times that he gave this gift to me, quality time. And they, they, just, they just really stick with me. This is years later, but I can still, you know what? When you have been loved, you, you remember the place. You remember the time. You remember what you felt when, when somebody just really loved you. And it may not make sense to anybody else, but it just makes sense to you. It's just like, yes, they loved me there. I remember one time we were fixing fence on our pasture, the, the Waterton River runs through our land, and we were fixing the fence there, and uh, I, I just tagged along with Dad because I think I was a good way to get out of Mom's hair, so Dad had to take me, and we would fix this fence, and we, it was a barbed wire fence, and I really couldn't do much, so Dad would have me doing different things, and I'd run off and play, and and then I remember one day we were sat down in the pasture, and he just sat beside me, and I have this picture in my mind, I just looking out over this hillside, and my dad just stop fencing, he sat down, and we just talked. It was so rich. Another time, we were taking the grain into the elevator to deliver it. It's an old grain truck. It's an old international grain truck. And I remember this picture. I know where we were on the road. And my dad had his arm out the window, hot August day, and he's eating sunflower seeds, spitting them out the window. So what did I do? I rolled down my window. I, stuck, I got my arm out the window. And I said, Dad, what are you eating? He said, sunflower seeds. Can I have some? Sure. So he gave me a bunch of sunflower seeds. I didn't know what you had to do with them. I just ate the whole thing. And then I'm choking <laughs> on the sunflower seeds, spitting out some stuff because Dad spat. He says, no, no, you got to crack the seeds, son. You, gotta, you have to crack the shell and just spit out the shell and eat the seed. I looked at him, I said, Dad, wow, he's good. He spits them out fast. I was just like, (laughs) and I have this moment where my dad on that trip, because, you know, you can pick up your kids from music lessons. You can take them to the basketball practice. You can be in the same car with them, but it's not quality time, because your mind's another place. You're listening to the news, or you're in another place, and you're engaged, and it's just be quiet, Johnny. I'm I'm focused on this, or you're on your cell phone. Of course, it's a. not you know it's you got the headpiece on but you're you're doing it right but you're not engaged with your children. The vehicle can be one of the best places to have quality time with your children. We find that when we pick them up from school, that was a window where they would actually really want to listen and talk, and they'd want to tell you about their day. I love picking up our kids from school because I say, "How was your day?" And they're just like, oh, oh, oh. "But if I ask that question after supper, how was your day? Great. Well, what happened?" Not much, but after school, it was like, yeah, this happened, and this girl did this, and that guy did that, and the teacher said this, and we did this, and they just, it's quality time. Or you can turn on the radio and just say, I want to listen to my tunes, or I want to listen, I want to be my own world. That moment when my dad just spent quality time and taught me how to eat sunflower seeds, one of the best lessons I've ever had in life. I still love <laughs> sunflower seeds. They're great. You ever, ever been traveling down the road and you got to stay awake? Sunflower seeds are better than coffee. Some of you look like, what's he talking about? <laughs> Just try it. No, you know, it's another lesson, yeah. You can find that in that men's magazine, maybe. <laughs> okay, quality time. Number one was what though? Gift giving. Number two, quality time. These are love languages. So we speak different languages, remember, and we have to learn to speak all the five love languages, especially if we're trying to love our spouse or children. This is a great message, by the way, if you're dating. Wow, if I would have known this when I was dating, it would have helped me so much, guys. Because when you're dating, the idea is to figure out what language they speak. If you can figure out what language they speak when you're, when you're dating, man, you are off to the races, the last thing you want to do is say, well, this is the way I love. I love by giving gifts. I don't know how to do anything else. I just, I brought her flowers and I bought her this, I bought her that, but she is not responding. They have to say, well, wait a minute. Uh, what language does she speak? She may be speaking Mandarin. You're speaking English. It's no wonder the relationship's not taking off. Stop and figure out what language does she speak or he speak. Okay. Number three is acts of service. And I was thinking about who in the Christmas story demonstrated this love language. And I think it was Joseph. We could have put others here, but I think Joseph really demonstrated the acts of service. And what makes me say that is the fact that he traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem, 110 kilometers uphill with a woman who's just about to give birth. I've seen my wife pregnant four times. I know that last week... They require a little extra service and help, Uh, and the more you can do to help them in that face, the better it is for everybody. And so, there's no there's no uh, in-laws really to help here, and he's he's going into a a city where there is uh, nobody there to help them. And he and then of course you know the story; they get stuck in a barn in a manger. And I think Joseph. We don't. We can read it between the lines, but I think Joseph did. Great acts of service. He would have gone to that barn and said, okay, Mary, this looks like we're going to give birth here any minute, and uh, what do you suggest? Like, uh, how are we going to do this? I think there was cleaning. I think there was setting things aside. I think there was getting the animals in a certain place. I I think Joseph was pretty busy serving Mary during that time. Wouldn't you agree that there would have been acts of service to love her? It wasn't. We don't read of Joseph bringing her gifts. We don't read of that, but we read a lot of the way he served her. Then after the wise men visit, angel says, uh, "Joseph, pack up your wife and baby Jesus, go to Egypt and hang out there for a while. And when Herod dies, you can come back." That's an act of service. If you've ever had to pack up your kids and travel somewhere, you know that's an act of service. Just getting everybody into the car, getting everybody ready, getting them all strapped in. It's an act of service to travel with kids anywhere, let alone to another country where you don't know anybody and you don't have all the conveniences we have to do today. Joseph loved through acts of service. It's a great language to speak. I was thinking about a time when I was visiting our neighbor farm, and I was actually working for him this day when I was a teenager, and his name was Henry, and uh, Henry had me working with him that day, and we were moving cattle from kind of one pasture to another, and we were in the yard there, just didn't have much work to do left, Some a little bit of fencing and just getting the corrals in place, and uh, he had a son and three daughters, and the daughters were in their late teens, early 20s, and this guy rolls up in his car, and Henry stops me, I can picture the day, still today, I can see it in my mind, and just picture an old rancher, weathered, wiry, his hat soiled, you know, he's got an old pair of faded jeans, dirty boots on, and you know, he's just, he's a rugged rancher. And he's been doing this for years. And he's standing there, and he and he watches this car roll up, and he just looks. watch watches. So I'm standing there with him. What's he? What's he doing? So he, this car pulls up, and this guy gets out of the car, and he waves. Says hi, Henry. And then he walks in the house, and he says, "See who that is, that's my, that's the guy who's dating my daughter." We're out here working. And he's going to sit in that house while we finish the chores. If that guy really wanted to marry my daughter. He'd get out of that house, get over here, and let's finish the chores. But he's going to sit in that house, and he's gonna, then we're going to feed him, and then gonna stay there tonight, and he's going to be gone tomorrow. But he never gets out and helps me do any chores. If he wanted to marry my daughter, it'd sure be nice to see him help me move some cattle. <laughs> what was? What do you think his love language was? Acts of service. Man, if this, if this guy's really interested in my daughter he'd get over here and you know and help me do some work. guy still married his daughter, so I don't know what happened, but anyhow, he still ended up marrying his daughter. Henry was a great guy. He was a great, was a great man. But that was his love language. It was acts of service. If this guy really cared about me or my family, he would come help me do some work. But in that case, he didn't, but the guy still won. I don't know what he did, but he won her heart anyhow. So acts of service is the third one. And we can... An act of service could look like washing somebody's car, cooking a favorite meal, doing the laundry, taking out garbage, filing somebody's income tax, hanging the Christmas lights. That's an act of love. Uh, Mowing the grass. Guys helping change the baby's diaper. Those are all acts of service. That says, I love you. So number one again is what? Gifts. That's easy because it's Christmas Day. Number two was? quality time right and just being focused on that person during the quality time right if you're sitting there and you're watching the canucks game and your son's there your daughter's there your boyfriend girlfriend whatever it is your spouse and you you're all in the same room but you're the only canucks fan that is not quality time that doesn't count now if they all like the canucks then that would be quality time right Or, guys, if you're sitting down the couch and you're watching TV and your wife is just sitting there beside you, but she's like, I am not interested in Need for Speed or whatever you're watching, but she's there with you, that wouldn't count as quality time. Now, if you're watching Gone with the Wind, (laughs) that would work, okay? So you get the picture. It has to be, quality time has to be where you're engaged, where you're, you're focused on that individual, not seeking your own. And the third one was what? Acts of service. We've got to do that again because that was kind of, you're just a few like, oh, what was that one again? Number one was what? Gifts. Number two? Quality time. Number three? Acts of service. That's really important because Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He said, the way you, you see me do it, do others. So that's a huge love language. Acts of service. Number four is physical touch. Is that in the Christmas story? Yeah. Because Mary takes baby Jesus, wraps him in swaddling clothes, lies him in a manger. When a baby is born, what do we instinctively do for that baby right away? We cuddle it, right? We rock it. It's, It's the first act of love a child receives is this physical touch. That baby's crying. I think of the babies when they were born in our home. The doctor handed me the baby. They clean it up and they hand it to you. You instinctively even our first child, I'd never really held a newborn before, or I hadn't. And when they handed me our daughter, Jennifer, the first thing I did was, I, I don't know where it came from, but even as a guy, I, I knew what to do. You knew how to cuddle that baby. and There's just, just something that came out of me instinctively. Or think of when there's a crisis. Think of an earthquake or tornado or an accident, or there's people that are there and they're crying. What do we do right away? Instinctively, we go up there, we hug them. We just say, It's going to be okay it's going to be okay even though we can't change the event we know that if we're loved we can survive this thing without love we won't so physical touch is a powerful way to love mary loved jesus of course by cuddling him and swaddling him we see that love language being spoken love came down love was spoken through this language there when jesus was born In the 1600s, they did a very cruel experiment. Children that were born and put in orphanages that didn't have parents, the king decided, I want to do an experiment. I am going to see what happens to children if they're just fed. We'll we'll change their, their diapers and so forth, but we're not going to hug them. You cannot hug those children. You can't give them physical touch, just love language. And they found, sadly that all those children died within two years. We're designed to be loved. We're designed to be hugged. Physical touch is seven times more powerful than a verbal word. It's, there's, touch is powerful, both negative and positively. If, if a child has been abused or somebody has been abused, it's, it's very, it can be very damaging because the power of the touch. On the other hand, if somebody's loved properly, it's so So needed in our lives, that physical touch. You think of Jesus when he took the children and he put them on his knees and he he blessed them. He laid his hands on them. Jesus demonstrated this. Zig Ziglar says this about hugging. Hugging is the answer, exclamation mark. Perhaps I feel this way because my wife is affectionately known as the happy hugger. If it's moving, she'll stop it and hug it. If it's not moving, she'll dust it off and sell it. However, there's another reason I believe hugging is the answer. According to Greg Risberg of the Northwestern University Medical School in Chicago, the physiological benefit of hugging includes a reduction of blood pressure and increased oxygen in the blood. He says that we all have a skin hunger and we are missing out on a vital part of our health if we're not getting in on some serious hugging. He maintains that four hugs a day are the minimum requirement to meet the skin hunger. From my perspective, I need a lot more than four. Stanley Simon of the University of Massachusetts says that hugging does more than demonstrate affection. It actually seems to keep people healthy. The skin is the body's largest sensory organ. If it's understimulated, many people actually develop an aching sensation. These are the people who will find it harder to get well and stay well. For the benefits of you husbands, let me tell you something about your wives. They love hugs but resent it when you ignore them all day and then give them your undivided attention when the lights go out at night. They want a hug when a hug is all that you have on your mind. They don't necessarily want them to be long, and in most cases they don't need them to be suggestive or sensual. The hug really says, I love you. I enjoy being around you. You're important to me. I look forward to spending more time with you. There's an old saying that actions speak louder than words, and to take a few seconds, uh, a number of times during the day to get and give these non-suggestive hugs really speaks volumes. Give it a try, Zig Ziglar says, and I'll see your marriage at the top. So, hugging is the fourth one, or physical touch. It could be a handshake, it could be a hug, and uh, by the way, men in church, we hug appropriately, Amen. Sometimes we've had to give men some lessons on how to hug a woman appropriately. Anyhow, so number one again was what? Reviewing. you gotta, we got to get these. One is what? Gifts. Gifts. Number two? Quality time. Number three? Shout it out. Acts of service. Number four? Physical touch. You're getting it. Awesome. Number five? Words of affirmation. Who in the Christmas story spoke words of affirmation? We know that Elizabeth did. Elizabeth gives words of affirmation to mary mary is pregnant she's a teenager god's the father she's engaged to joseph a little bit bewildering how many think a teenage girl would need some encouragement and affirmation mary comes along i mean elizabeth comes along and says to mary blessed is she who has believed that the lord will fulfill his promise to her she's saying to mary mary you're it you're amazing you believe way to go she encouraged her I really think Mary needed to be loved in this way to do what God had called her to do. When you're loved, when you're affirmed, can't you do more? Don't you rise up to the occasion when somebody believes in you and says, yeah, you can do it? That was Elizabeth speaking to Mary. Mary, you're a teenager. I know it's over your head. You don't understand it all. But Mary, good for you to believe this. She needed those words. Those words were like oxygen. They were like water to her spirit. She could do something that she couldn't otherwise have done. She drank those words in. It was love spoken to her, words of affirmation. I failed math 10, didn't do so good in it, had to retake it. I got 49%. I begged. Dad, I begged the teacher. I said, please pass me. No, I'm not going to pass. And please, one percentage, come on. The teacher said, no, I'm not going to do it. It's was the best thing that could ever happen happened to me because she made me redo it. I did better the second time. Then, I, I, For whatever reason, I took calculus as well in grade 12. You would think that I wouldn't have been a good choice, but I took calculus. Barely got through calculus. They said I need the course if I wanted to go in engineering, so I took the calculus course. Then I'm doing pre-engineering at Trinity Western University, and just struggling to get through calculus, got married, and then I go back to school. Now I'm married and going to school, and I'm taking calculus again, take a deep breath, okay, get this over with, get my marks, get my little paper, and get on with life, you know, and, I, and I, I'm starting to study this, and, and the only difference is same brain, same work habits, but I got a wife, and a wife who, has, who loves me with words of affirmation. Dave, you can do it. Dave, you studied so hard last night. Dave, you're going to do great on that test today. And all of a sudden, those words of affirmation, I just, I soaked them up, like, just like a sponge. And I started getting these amazing marks, 90, 95, bonus question. Got all the questions and the bonus question. I go, who is this guy? That's not the guy I knew in grade 10. This is not the guy who struggled through calculus. I get a four-point average in my math. I go, where did this come from? It was love. When you love someone, how many know they can rise to do greater things than they even imagined? Love is such a powerful force. Words of affirmation. Words can destroy or words can build up. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, the power of it. There's such power in our love when we give words of affirmation. And we all speak different love languages. And sometimes... We've grown up with a certain language, we've learned a certain language, and now that we have a new chapter of life, we're married or whatever, dating someone, wherever you might be, you have to learn the new language. For example, my dad never did dishes, that, that I know of, he probably did, but I don't remember him ever doing the dishes around the house. He did the chores, we came in, we sat, he had the meal, he left, and so I got married and just thought, guys don't do dishes. I thought culturally it made sense. We don't do ditches. The women make the meals. The women put the food on the table. We eat it. We say amen. We go wash our hands. We go back to work. Thanks for the meal. That, that's the way we live. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I found that I was going to love my wife because we both worked. We came home. She made supper, and then uh, after supper, I said, "That's good, Cheryl," and I was off. She said, "Where are you going?" Who's doing the dishes in a loving way? She's not mean about it at all. I thought, oh, yeah. So now we kind of have this thing in our house where Cheryl often does a meal and and I do the dishes. So it kind of works that way. But I didn't grow up that way, but I found out that I I need to speak that. Sometimes we hide behind our culture. And we say, oh, you know, in our culture, we don't do that. Well, you need to sanctify your culture. You need to change your culture. I, sometimes like quality time. We, we one of the best things we go for quality time is is go for a walk. Well, I have my kids and everybody walks behind me. I'm the man. I walk ahead. Well, that's not quality time. Quality time is you walk hand in hand. Well, we don't do that in our culture. Well, that would sanctify your culture. It's so quiet in here. Really, sometimes to love, it may be some sense of things I'm touching on today, but to really love, you, you may have a tradition that needs to go. Well, we don't do it that way in our house. Well, it's not your house is not your Lord. Your culture is not your Lord. Jesus is your Lord. The Bible is your Lord. This is your Lord. And you surrender to him. Jesus said, I wash the disciples' feet. Go and do likewise. If he would wash his disciples' feet, wouldn't it make sense that we'd wash our family's feet? Oh, no, I'm the man of the house. They serve me. God would have a problem with that because Jesus is God. And Jesus got up from the table, took the basin, and washed all the disciples' feet. Yeah, but if I do that, no, that's just your insecurity speaking. You get up and you love. I don't mean to make this heavy on a Christmas morning. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to get us to speak five languages, five love languages, and not hide behind, well, that's the way we've always done it our culture. No, God's challenging us to love others. And one of the ways we do that, certainly, is through uh, affirmation as well as quality time, these others. Anyhow, I've got to give you the last of this here for words of affirmation Uh, I think we covered that praise, encouraging, building each other up. is such a great language to speak. And just a few points to wrap up with. How would I identify what love language others are speaking? Because if I'm going to love my wife, love my husband, love my children, love my spouse, or love the person I want to marry, or love my employer, my employees, it's good to figure out what their love language is. Just taking time to say What language are they speaking? Are they speaking? That alone is love. So here's a couple things. One, if you want to learn what language they're speaking, just pay attention. Just be asking the question, what language are they speaking? If I'm in another country and I'm not sure what language they're speaking, the first thing I do is I stop. What language is this? Is this Spanish? Is this French? Is this, you kind of figure out, you know, if I go to parts of China. If I go to Hong Kong, I, oh, is it Cantonese or Mandarin? I don't speak either one, but if I could, I go, okay. I said, oh, I'm going to communicate in Cantonese because that's their language, not in Mandarin. And so if we're loving people, we have to stop and say, okay, well, what language are they speaking? Especially people that I want to build a relationship with. So we listen, we watch, we ask, we, we, we look and say, what language do they speak? If a person is, likes to give gifts, chances are that's their love language. So what a love language is this gal, gal I'm dating? I'm wondering what her love language is. She likes shopping a lot. She buys a lot of gifts. She's not so keen on acts of service, but I really see a lot of gifts. Then there's your clue. You, and you have to kind of do it by process of elimination. Well, I tried that. That didn't work very good. Okay. <laughs> well, try this. And you find out what their love language is. Sometimes you even give them an option, finding the love language of children, you can give them an option. Do you want to go with daddy to the park or would you rather go shopping for your mom? Oh, the girl said, let's go shopping for mommy. Okay, well, maybe gift giving is her love language. You have to do it almost by trial and error sometimes to find that love language. And don't get me wrong, it's not like we only have just one love language. We all like receiving gifts. We all like words of affirmation, but one will be stronger than the other, and we can all learn all five. But to truly love, we need to find what language should I speak in. God spoke all those languages in the story of Christ coming to this earth. Jesus demonstrated all those manners of love. Today he's demonstrating that love to us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.